Hi, and welcome to the KC Praxis Teaching of the Week. We hope that you enjoy this message from Liz Devon. Hey everyone, welcome to the KC Praxis Podcast. My name is Liz, and I am part of the teaching team for Kingdom Community. And I don't know about you, but today, um, this is Friday morning when I'm recording this, I just woke up in such a good mood. Yesterday was sunny outside, and I always say that my Californian never comes out stronger than this time of year, where it's usually pretty cloudy and rainy and stormy. Um, My body just needs the sun, and so having a day full of sun yesterday was just the best. Um, I was at a school campus playing Capture the Flag with rubber chickens, and then I went to the park and we were playing kickball, and we also played Capture the Flag out there, and everyone was just having a great time. So today I'm just feeling refreshed, feeling good, um, and I'm excited to be sharing with you today. Before we get into our teaching, I do have just a little bit of an announcement. Um, Two weeks ago, or about two weeks ago, Jake and I met about what our spring and Easter season was going to look like, and we both looked at our calendar and said, oh my gosh, Easter is coming early this year. So we sat there and talked about what our Lent season would look like, and I think we have a pretty good plan, um, and I'm going to share share that with you. So I know you're probably thinking, didn't we just get done with Christmas? Isn't Easter like in six months? Um, yes and no. We did just finish Christmas. I think we're all still kind of coming down from that holiday holiday rush. Uh, but the season of Lent actually starts on February 14th, which is in less than a month. I know, it's it's coming faster than we can even believe. So, to prepare our hearts for Easter, and Easter this year is falling on March 31st, if you need to write that down. Um, to prepare our hearts for Easter, we're going to be reading through the books of Joshua and Mark as a community during Lent. And when you think about it, Joshua and Mark are two very different books. One is in the Old Testament, the other in the New Testament. Joshua chronicles the history of Israel from the time of Moses through the entering of the Promised Land to Joshua dividing that land among the tribes of Israel. And Mark chronicles the life and movements of Jesus during his ministry here on earth. But when you start to look at these books side by side, there are some really great similarities. Joshua starts with the baton being handed to him, then he leads the Israelites through the Jordan River to the Promised Land. Mark starts with Jesus being baptized, then going to the temptation in the wilderness, and then proclaiming the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Mark really highlights Jesus' interactions and exercising of demons in the same piece of land that Joshua leads Israel to enter. So you see, if you look at it all together, Joshua is about the people of Israel entering and claiming the physical land that God had promised them through their ancestor Abraham. And Mark is all about Jesus walking in that same stretch of land that Joshua conquered, but he's claiming the spiritual world for his kingdom. And we're going to go into a lot more detail of of all of this over the next few months leading up to Easter. We're going to have a reading plan for you to follow just like we did last year. There's no pressure to do this plan. But I think there's something really powerful when a community of believers is reading and meditating and hearing God through the same passages of Scripture together. And that reading plan will be available at our next Praxis Praxis Gathering, which is on February 4th. And it will be available in our email as well, so you'll be able to find it pretty easily. And just as a reminder for us as we're talking about entering Lent, that Lent is not about restriction or the thing that we're giving up, or the thing that we're adding to our lives, right? Lent is about becoming closer to Jesus. Being closer and transformed by Jesus is the goal of Lent. 
So as we gather through the months of February and March, our praxis teachings will be a little bit more Mark-centered. But during the week, you will get a little more on Joshua in our weekly emails. So if you're not getting those emails or if you're not subscribed to this podcast, uh, let us know and we can help you um, subscribe to both of those things. However, because it's still January, and so I'm not breaking the rules, we're going to look at the beginning of Joshua. Now, I'm going to preface Joshua with this. There is a lot of war and violence in Joshua, and sometimes it's hard for us to understand it all, especially as we look at our world today and the wars that are taking place in the same stretch of land and the amount of lives that are and have been lost. And we can start to wonder why God has chosen these people and not those people. And we can wonder how God can be a God of love, but also a God of war. And I think all of those things are okay and valid to question. There are many parts of Joshua and Mark where you're just going to think, I don't get it. And that's totally fine. I have found that God is really gentle and able to love me even in the midst of my seasons of questioning and wrestling with him and his word. So let's jump into Joshua. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. It comes after the first five books. And the first five books make up the Torah or the law. And the fancy word for that is the Pentateuch. The first five books are believed to have been written by Moses. At least that's what our tradition says. So just a little insight into my family and our family dinners. We actually talked about this the other night at dinner. And my brother mentioned that there may be some debate or a case could be made to add Joshua to the Pentateuch, which then would make it the Hexateuch. I know, it's really bad, nerdy biblical humor here. Um, But this would never happen, obviously, because that would take away thousands and thousands of years of history and tradition, um, but just as a a glimpse into what our family dinner discussions look like. Uh, So switching gears and jumping into Joshua, um, I asked at our Praxis gathering if anyone knew how the book or the movie A Christmas Carol starts. A Christmas Carol is one of our family's favorite Christmas movies, and I mean, obviously the Muppet Christmas Carol is the best version of that. But I asked everybody, I said, does anyone know how it starts? The first line in the book or in the movie. And Jen Collier won 100,000 points that mean absolutely nothing because she was the only one other than my mother who knew how it starts. So the first line in A Christmas Carol starts, Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about it. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. So why am I bringing that up? Let's look at Joshua 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Moses was dead to begin with. Joshua was, Joshua was going to be his successor. Which brings up the question in my mind, why Joshua? Joshua comes on the scene in the book of Numbers when Moses sends out spies to the promised land so they could see who was there and what it was like. When the spies came back, all but two of them reported that the land was exactly as God described, flowing with milk and honey. But there were giants living there, and the Israelites would never be able to overtake them. However, Caleb and Joshua said that they would prevail against the people in the land. Then the people of Israel rebelled and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Why We should have just stayed there. It was better there when we were slaves and in captivity. That was better than here in the wilderness. And then Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua wept and mourned for the people and prayed that God would continue to be with them. There's another interesting story about Joshua, and actually it's one of my favorites, and I found out when I was sharing with my grandma, um, this is actually one of her favorite stories about Joshua, too. It comes in Exodus 33. At this point, God tells Moses to get the people ready to travel. He would send an angel to guide them and drive out any enemies that came their way, but God would not meet with the people because they were a stiff-necked people. So Moses set up a tent outside the camp and made that the tent of meeting. He would be in there, and if anyone wanted to talk with God, they could go there and speak with Moses. It says that the Lord spoke with Moses there, as face to face, as a friend speaks to a friend. And then it says that Moses left that tent of meeting to return to camp, but his assistant Joshua lingered in the tent of meeting. I think this is such a great sign of the character of Joshua. Imagine the things that he heard and saw while he was in the tent with Moses and God. Imagine the fear and trembling that would overtake him. Imagine the peace and joy and grace that filled that tent. And that was where Joshua lingered. He didn't just stay outside. He obviously served Moses to the best of his ability, but he didn't follow Moses every step of the way, right? It was like Joshua knew all along that God was the one leading the people. Moses was obviously being used by God in big and mighty ways, but Joshua never forgot that God was the one leading his people through Moses. Which makes me ask the question of myself, where do I find myself lingering? What do I find myself obsessing over? Where is my mind lingering? Am I lingering on things that are out of my control? Or are they on things that bring me life? Where am I physically lingering? Am I lingering in a place where my body, mind, and soul are being fed? Or am I in places where I know I shouldn't be? And as I look at my life and the things that I'm doing and the ideas that I have, my prayer is that my ideas or goals would never, would never shadow the one who is leading me in that direction. My prayer is that I don't take the credit or the glory for those things that are being accomplished, but I remember the one who is accomplishing his goals through me. May I be someone who lingers in the presence of God. May I be someone who meditates on his word and not on the words of those around me. May I be someone who is so consumed with the peace, love, grace, and joy of the Lord that when others see me, they see a reflection of their creator. 
May I be someone who doesn't grow tired of hearing God's word, but who, whose daily cadence is guided by those words. And may we, all of us, be a people who linger in the presence of God. Going back to Joshua 1, I'm a believer that when God repeats things, I should probably pay attention to whatever he's saying. Um, I'm also very convinced that he repeats things for me because I don't get it the first time. How many times in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, does it say, be strong and courageous? Three times. Now, Joshua is about to lead the people of Israel to the land that he has only seen a glimpse of years prior to this moment. If I was Joshua, and I am not, if I was Joshua though, I would have, I would have been nervous. I would be nervous of leading the people to their demise. I would be nervous of disappointing God with my decisions. I would be nervous about what may come next, and I would be nervous about reading a map, because I am not good at that. So God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, because I will be with you. The last praxis teaching we had, Jake brought up this idea of whether we consider ourselves to be like David's mighty men, or, or are we people who are always waiting? Do we see ourselves the way that God sees us? When Jesus sees his disciples Picking grain on the Sabbath, he compares them to David's mighty men who did some of the craziest things in battle and won over and over again. Do we see ourselves in this way? To put it a different way, Rob Bell wrote in his book Velvet Elvis something along the lines of, All my life I've been told to believe in Jesus, but I'm just now realizing that Jesus believes in me. God gave Joshua this crazy task of leading his people to the promised land, we're going to read about some of the epic battles and adventures that go on. God is, is doing this because he believed in Joshua. And in the end, Joshua knew that the battles they would face would not be won by them, but by the power of God. Joshua gave his life to the service of God, knowing that it would be tough and frightening and that he would want to give up. But God was not going to give up on Joshua. In Joshua chapter 3, we read about the people of Israel crossing the Jordan River, the scene is meant to mirror the crossing of the Red Sea as the, people were, as the people were leaving Egypt. During that crossing, Moses was leading the people out of slavery in Egypt into the deliverance and freedom God had promised them. They were being chased by Pharaoh's armies and chariots. Do you remember this story? And they get to the Red Sea and there's no way for them to cross and the people start yelling that they should have just stayed in Egypt and that they had told Moses to leave them alone and they should have just stayed because living there in slavery would be better than dying in the wilderness. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? So Moses lifts his staff and his hand over the sea and it parts and the people of Israel cross on dry land. When they cross, the sea goes back, goes back and swallows up all of Pharaoh's army. And God led his people from captivity to freedom, and he was going to do it again. In Joshua 3, starting in verse 14, it talks about where the river was and what the river looked like. It was long and wide, and the waters were capable of running over its banks. As the people prepared to cross the river, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant were to lead the charge. They were going to go in the river and stand on dry ground as the people crossed by them. In verse 17, it says this, now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. The people were, were led into their new land through a river, taking them from a wandering people group to the promised land. 
taking them from the wilderness to what they would call home. But in order to do that, they had to trust and listen to what God told them to do. Each step that was taken in the river was done on dry ground. Think about that for a second. The people crossing this river weren't, weren't at the crossing at the Red Sea. Or if they were, they were children. So they had heard of the wonders and miracles God had done. And now for the first time, they were seeing these miracles firsthand. Their trust and fidelity to God was renewed. As the people crossed the river, one person from each tribe was to pick up a stone from the river and carry it across. They were to make a memorial at the river to remind themselves and their people forever that God was faithful to keep his promises, that he could do the impossible, and that he was always with them. Now, this is kind of your your practice for the week, okay? Think about your life and the times that miracles happened, the times where you look back on whatever that situation was, and you know that whatever happened could have only happened by God. The times where you know that your strength and your concentration and your stubbornness wasn't what accomplished whatever that was, that only God could have done that. Maybe take some time this week um, on whatever that was and remember God's faithfulness and strength. I also wonder if, if God isn't stirring something in you, something that would take you from here, wherever you are, um, closer to a dream or a goal or a, a mission that God had planted in you years before. And maybe God is waiting for you to take that first step. Maybe there's something that you need to reclaim, something you've let go of, a friendship or that dream or that goal. And maybe God is stirring in you to send that text message or make that call to that person. Or maybe he's stirring in you to revisit those dreams and that calling that you let go of a long time ago. As we're closing out our time together, I just wanted to encourage you as we continue on in our week and our weekend, uh, with just a few takeaways from, from Joshua. Be strong and courageous as you begin to take that first step. Linger on those thoughts and dreams and pray that God would help make those dreams that he's given you a reality. May you remember the way that God sees you as one who is mighty like David's mighty men, that you're someone that God believes in and cheers for, and you're someone who God can use to accomplish the impossible in our world, in our city, with your family. We pray that you are blessed this week. We are so looking forward to seeing you all at our next practice gathering. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed this week's teaching. To connect with us and for more resources, you can find us on social media as KC Praxis or email us at kcpraxis at 180lodi.org.